Welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. My name is Matt. I'm the Jupiter Farms President. With us today, we also have Kristen, our Treasurer, and Jillian on the Board of Directors. And with us today, we have from the Jupiter Farms Advisory Committee and the Jupiter Farms Environmental Council, Ms. Susan Kennedy. And Susan, could you introduce our two guests for us today? I'd be happy to. Thank you, Matt. Our two guests include Karen Marcus, who is our County Commissioner in District 1 from the years 1984 to 2012. While she was there, she was our strong force in sustainable growth in Palm Beach County and was one of our advocates on the Board of County Commissioner for preserving and restoring our natural lands and waters here in Palm Beach County. She currently serves on many different boards in Palm Beach County, but I think she's probably most proud of being the president of uh, Sustainable Palm Beach County, who is trying to advocate for the balance of environmental protections and economic development that will allow Palm Beach County to move in the future without destroying ourselves. So welcome, Karen. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you for having me. And our second guest is Rob Robbins. And Rob is one of those environmental science dudes. He went to (laughs) school for it, has a master's in marine sciences, but he served with the South Florida Water Management District for 13 years in their natural resources management, not just doing resource permitting, but also is involved in the many aspects of environmental planning in Palm Beach County and the greater region because South Florida Water Management District is the 16 different districts of our South Everglades area. And then he served in the Department of Environmental Resource Management in Palm Beach County, which, where he was an advocate and worked tirelessly to acquire and then restore our Palm Beach County natural lands, where he also served as director for a number of years. So welcome to the show, Rob. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> so we wanted you to, to come on to talk about some of our environmental resource issues And we thought, you know, a podcast, an audio recording would be the best way to handle some of the issues that are, you know, best explained with visual maps. You know, this is is the opposite of the silent movies. This is is the audio without the movie version. So we'll try not to, to confuse too many of the listeners of the podcast as we move forward. I just wanted to say as... Part of my background, I grew up on the Loxahatchee River, right there at Riverbend Park. Went away to school, went to law school, came back, and dove straight into advocacy issues here in the North Palm Beach County area. Um, and that was in 1999, and the bond issue had passed Palm Beach County. Commissioner Marcus was leading the board in some of those acquisition efforts, but me and my troop of environmental do-gooders here in Jupiter Farms, we realized that all of our land issues, opposing irresponsible development issues, were all tied up with water, specifically at that time, the Loxahatchee River watershed. There was a moment in time when I was reading all of the resources that had been written on the Loxahatchee, 
And everyone kept saying, we need to do a study. We need to do a study on salinity. We need to do a study on how much water was actually needed. We needed to do a study for everything. And there were no studies at that point in 1999, or very few. They were very spotty, so they weren't a year to year. So we quickly realized that saving the water helped us save the land. So we jumped in and quickly discovered that the Loxahatchee River wasn't really even part of the comprehensive Everglades restoration plan that was passed in the in 2000, which dealt with a whole range of issues, including water supply, but the Loxahatchee River wasn't really even included. So that's how I got involved in all of these water resource issues. So if you could, either Rob or Karen, explain some of the things that we did in those years of the 2000s to start to get a handle on where Palm Beach County needed to go to preserve and restore our water resources. As you know, Susan, the county has been, and mostly through the leadership of Karen Marcus and other board members, the county was very successful at passing two bond referendums for the natural areas acquisition and restoration. And I'm happy to say that those two referendums passed by a wide margin in Palm Beach County. At the time, with Karen's leadership and Rich Valeski was the director at that time, the county was very successful at acquiring natural areas areas that were already in pretty good condition and initiating the restoration of those areas. So we've been really successful in Palm Beach County of acquiring natural lands and doing the restoration necessary of those habitats. Now though, what we really see is necessary, as you pointed out, Susan, is the quantity and quality of water in Palm Beach County. What we have been seeing in the last several years is a degradation of water quality in the county. And it starts really in Lake Okeechobee, which is the heart of fresh water in Palm Beach County. And Susan, as you pointed out, you, you know Northern Palm Beach County so well and you see that Loxahatchee River system is in need of clean, fresh water. It's not getting enough. And in the last several years, we've seen some blue-green algae outbreaks in Palm Beach County, not to the degree of Martin County, but we're starting to see it in Palm Beach County. And uh, we've even seen a little bit of red tide in Palm Beach County, something that we haven't seen. So while we've been really successful at, at tackling some of the natural area land issues, now we see that we really need to tackle some of the water quantity and quality issues in Palm Beach County. So Susan, that, that's just a, a beginning answer to your question. <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is a complicated issue. Um, and it's been 20 years of moving the policy decision makers towards this point where we can really see Palm Beach County in, the, in a connected light, in a connected system. I remember in the, I think it was around 2004 or five, sometime in that area when we had to organize groups 
out here in Jupiter Farms to go down to the water management district to really kind of holler at them and make a scene because they weren't thinking of the system in a connected manner. At that point, we didn't even have a minimum flow level for the freshwater into the Loxahatchee River. We didn't have a restoration plan, which included connecting those natural lands that had been purchased, but not developed in a management plan yet. I mean, I know that you were there at the time. Do you remember all of the hullabaloo during the MFL season? Oh, yes, I certainly do. And because of that advocacy, there is a minimum flow and level established for the Loxhatchee River. And that target is largely being achieved, but it's not restoration levels for the river. We don't have restoration levels being achieved for the river. And we don't currently have a plan in place to achieve the restoration levels the river needs. And Susan, unfortunately, the uh, Loxhatchee River, the watershed, is not a priority for the water management district. And with the changes in leadership over the years, I remember going down there with you all on the minimum flows and levels and, and finally got their attention on that. So it, it's still not on their radar screen as a priority for them. And I think Rob would probably agree with that. So that, that's why there's got to be a constant advocacy about trying to get it done. And, and that's what Sustainable was working on through the Mecca Farms Avenir project. So, and one of the other things to the point of what Rob was saying is that we're starting to see the blue-green algae and the red tide. What happened with Martin and St. Lucie, the Water Management District has started a called Shared Adversity, where now Palm Beach County through the C-51 Canal is getting more Lake Okeechobee water which is why we're probably seeing more blue-green algae because they don't want to send it to Martin and they don't want to send it to the West Coast. That's where we're starting to see more. And what's happening is that the city of West Palm Beach, who used to take some of their extra water from Lake O, because it has the blue-green algae in it, they won't take it. And that kind of shuts off additional water that could be going to the Loxhatchee River. So there are new, new equations in this discussion on the Loxhatchee River and water quality. When we were in the midst of the battles, one of the big discussions is whether or not the Loxahatchee River should actually be connected to the Lake Okeechobee system, either from the north through the St. Lucie Canal or from the south up through the L8 system. And all of the environmentalists and all of the agency environmentalists really fought against that because of the damage that it would do to not a pristine system, but a very high quality system that exists in the wild and scenic Loxahatchee. We were really happy when the county and the agencies were able to preserve so much land because as we know, that is the best way of preserving a watershed, right? It's to get the land into public acquisition. And, and I think I can probably pick up when that property was restored, we did see an improvement in the uh, dry season flows to the river. So when that property was restored, when we stopped the drainage, plugged some of the ditches, improved some of the hydrology of those properties, then we saw that the wet season rainfall that fills those wetlands, when we stop the uh, immediate drainage, the immediate water loss in those wetlands, that water was retained in those wetlands through the wet season 
and it was slowly released throughout the dry season to the river when the river needs that freshwater input. And so we did see an improvement in the hydrology of the river when those properties were acquired, the natural area lands were acquired and restored. However, a lot of those areas are not really interconnected to the extent that they could be. As Karen mentioned, the Mecca property is just sitting there not restored. We know that Avenir intends to restore a, a big chunk of its properties, but those properties, there's not a plan in place to connect those properties, even when they are restored in the future for the benefit of the river. And, and that's something that Sustainable has been working on. I have a question for both you and Karen, and this yep. is, this is for coming from somebody who really doesn't know interconnectivity, salinity levels. I'm just a guy who lives out in Jupiter Farms. Back when this was all happening, how did you sell it? How did you sell this as a project? How did you inform? Because the complexities of all the interconnectedness of environmental science and of, of this entire project, how do you tackle that from a public relations standpoint and get everybody on board with your project? Because you said that it passed overwhelmingly. How did you guys achieve that? Maybe Karen, your prop might be the best on that. This was initiated by a grassroots group who had been making a list of all the properties that were available and that were significant. It wasn't just any vacant piece of property. It was that had significant habitat. And luckily for us in the North End, most of it was up here that hadn't been developed because the MacArthur Foundation owned all of it. So, and constantly through our land development and zoning process, People were trying to get us to save and preserve more native, natural lands, and you just can't do it through a regulatory process. You have to buy it. You have to own it. So with this grassroots group and with the leadership, uh, Rob and Rich and others, we were able to go out there. We had other conservation groups, I believe, Rob, that helped us sell it. The public really supports natural systems. They support the green space, whether it's because they don't want any more traffic or they're worried about their water quality. So we did a grassroots, we had handouts, we had speakers, we had other groups that went out there and helped us sell it from other bigger conservation groups. And it wasn't a hard sell. And, and we just had a list, a huge list, and said, we're going to negotiate with these. And those that are going to be negotiating as fairly with us, then those will be the ones that we'll be able to purchase. Luckily for us, we, um, we went through a couple of small recessions, landowners were willing to sell their property, and we were able to get the bulk of what we were looking for. Did so, yeah, you have they, any problems selling it to your own fellow commissioners as, no, as an initiative? No, I did not. There was other properties throughout the county that the entire county benefited from, down in Boca, in Lake Worth area, out west. So everybody benefited from it. Probably, again, North County benefited the most because we had the most undeveloped land up here, thanks to MacArthur. But I think the vote countywide was overwhelming. Hmm. People really support the natural systems. Again, whether it's because they don't want any more traffic, uh, they appreciate the value of having it and the habitat and what it does for our water system. And when we went in and we purchased all this property, we had no money to restore it. Some of it had to be cleaned out and, and there had to be drainage canals filled in. And Rob and Rich did an amazing job getting state grants and were able to do the restoration of all this land 
mostly with grants and then a dollars from the county that came from other pockets. So that really does lend itself to your whole idea of long-term sustainability of, of yes. Palm Beach County. Now I've asked, I've asked this to Karen. I'm curious, Rob, as to your answer, I always say up here that we have to be ever diligent because a preserved land or a protected land is only preserved or protected until somebody says it isn't. But it's not that easy to undo the protections that you guys were able to secure for these lands, right? Correct. And uh, for all of the natural areas that the county acquired, there's multiple layers of protections placed over those lands. But there's also the funding source. Remember, all of these lands, the bonds that were raised by the county, those bond dollars were matched with other grant dollars. So, for example, the $50 million bonds, that was matched with other grant funds to turn into $100 million. So the counties, whatever the bond dollars raised by the county, that was doubled by being matched with every acquisition was matched with other bond dollar, with other uh, grant dollars. And so that grant prohibits doing anything different with the land than is specified with inside of that grant, that grant uh, fund. And, and I know that we up in North County have a lot of thanks for the both of you, but I know that you probably didn't get everything on your wish list 20 years ago. And I know that there is, there's more work to be done. How do we, you know, we can't sit on our laurels up here and say, well, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Karen. We're, we're, we're great. There's still a lot more that needs to be done. And, and where do we go from here? One of the priorities for enhancing, again, the Locks River and the water flow is acquisition of the rest of the Palmar pieces. If you don't own it all, you can't fill in the drainage ditches and stuff like that. So the water does its natural flow. So acquiring the rest of the Palmar pieces, I think, would go a long way in terms of the next steps. Do you agree, Rob? Exactly. And, and you really can't uh, store all the water you need to store on a large piece of property until you acquire every last piece of that property. Um, as long as there's one in holding inside that large piece of property, you, you can't store all the water you need on it. So right. the Pal Palmar properties uh, and also a little further to the west, the Lemon Grove properties that are just north of Indian Town Road. For those listeners who didn't know what Palmar meant or where it was because they don't have maps. Um, it's the thousands of acres of land basically at the corner of Pratt Whitney Road and Indian Town Road, mostly on the north side. It includes all of the lands that are part of the Hungry Land Wildlife Management Area now, which is about 16 to 17,000 acres, I think. But it's Palmar because it's Palm Beach Martin County Land Development Company, something like that. So it was a, it's an antiquated land boondoggle. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you have individual lot owners who think they can develop or put a house out there who have come to discover that they cannot do any of that. And so it's a challenging uh, acquisition process. Yep. 
It sure is. And, and it's a big holding, a water holding area, which if it were ever developed, would certainly affect Jupiter Farms. And I know that's why we've been keeping our eye on it. Another big chunk of what flows in the Waxahachie River comes from the south on the west leg of the C-18 out by Pratt-Whitney, the old Pratt-Whitney company, not Pratt-Whitney Road. And that includes all of the lands of Mecca and Valveris. And maybe that can lead into some of the discussions that you guys have been happening at, on behalf of sustainable Palm Beach County with regards to the Valveris lands. Yeah, that was one of the big disappointments was that we were not able to acquire the Vavris property, which is now the Avenir project, which and over 50% is now set aside for preserve, and then the rest of it will be developed. That was would have been a great hole in the donut for a Mecca. We would have been able to run so much water, store so much water, and probably really be talking restoration levels right now if we had been able to acquire it. So, but we have been working. We worked with the owners of Avenir after opposing their project. Uh, they were willing to sit down with us and hear what Rich and Rob and the rest of the board members for Sustainable had to say. And we said, we want to work with you on the 50% because we want to at least take that part and be able to uh, incorporate it as Mecca Farms to a natural system, which we have been working with the Water Management District on, who owns it now. So they have sat down with us and they have said they're designing it so that they can take the water from Mecca when it starts flowing that way. We've start, we kept that dialogue going and in fact we're working on trying to and had great discussion with the Water Management District on the county and the Water Management District working in partnership to restore Mecca, attach it to Avenir, and then run it through the Loch Slough and on down to, up to the river. Susan, you hit on a, a key point here, and that's the west leg of the C-18, which actually was in private ownership, and the county bought the underlying land to the west leg of the C-18. And so when Avenir does complete its restoration of its 50% of land, there is a, a great opportunity, um, and this will happen down the road. Um, and now there's a question of how Avenir, uh, when it's restored, will interact with the Mecca property, and then how it will then flow into the west leg of the C-18. And there's a great opportunity then for the C-18, rather than shunting all of the water in the wet season directly to the river when it doesn't need it, how the CAT can actually hold that water back in the wet season for a slow release in the dry season and give the water that, uh, the water that the river needs in the dry season. So there really is a great opportunity in the west leg of the CAT when we can combine Mecca with Bavaris. So I think it will happen and there is a great opportunity there to make it happen. And Susan, you hit on a real key on the west leg of the C-18 there. The storm surges that we get are in great part because we don't have the water storage capabilities for the amount of rain that we get during our wet season. And unfortunately, the storm surges is one of the big components of the damage that occurs to our estuary systems um, along the intercoastal waterways and throughout Palm Beach County. And it's not just the volume of water, but also what it carries 
that damages our systems. So when we're talking about water resources in Palm Beach County, we enjoy in Jupiter Farms, we have the advantage of living out in the woods, but we also enjoy all of our intercoastals and beach waters are also keen on how the water resource issues impact those. So I think that's what really got you guys started on thinking of this water bond that you guys were talking about earlier this year. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that and some of the projects that would improve the whole system, not just our Loxahatchee River. It was something that uh, Mayor Kerner initiated and really wanted to do something for the environment. And of course, at Sustainable, we had been working on the Mecca Avenir project, trying to focus on the Lox River and restoration. And it became a much broader initiative to tackle all the issues, as you said, Susan, that are affecting all of us in the county, Lake Worth Lagoon being one of them. I mean, when we have these heavy rains and everything gets discharged into the lagoon, it's the brownest water you ever saw. Uh, and add to it the LACO discharges that are coming out more now because they're doing that shared adversity issue. So it was a comprehensive trying to replumb, if you will, the system of drainage where we weren't going into the lagoon. We were able to go into what's known as the C-51 pit or the uh, storage uh, in the center part of the county. And then also uh, septic to sewer and some land acquisition, which Palmar was part of. So and maybe, Rob, you can talk about the importance of the septic to sewer, because I know that was something that you've worked on for a long time. But it was a countywide, comprehensive, talked about acquisition of properties in the Ag Reserve, which is important, and other Green K, I think, restoration or adding to that. So it was an important, comprehensive one. But um, I'll let Rob uh, feel, you know, talk about the uh, septic to sewer, which is really important to the lagoon. Sure. Um, and, and if I can, I'll just give an overview of the way the bond was structured. Um, and I like what Karen said, to, to replumb the system. And the thinking was to replumb the system um, away from a drainage system to a storage system. And the bond uh, is broken down to four main categories. And I can just briefly uh, highlight those four categories. The first category is a biggie, and it's a very ambitious category. And, and it's uh, to restore Lake Worth Lagoon, the Lox River, Lake Okeechobee, and the Intracoastal Waterway. And Karen touched on some of these, but one of the projects in there is actually restoring Lake Okeechobee itself. And that is to take some of the lessons learned in Lake Worth Lagoon of taking some of the muck in the lagoon and uh, capping some of that muck into muck islands to make habitat out of it. Taking that same technology and applying it in Lake Okeechobee itself, since we know that the muck in Lake Okeechobee is what is uh, contributing to some of the uh, blue green algae blooms that we're seeing. Also to do some mecca restoration that we talked about and Palmar acquisition, and also Karen touched on the uh, West Palm Beach Canal um, to uh, reconfigure that spillway that's currently a bottom opening spillway. And of course, when you have those high flows along the bottom of the uh, West Palm C-51 Canal, it just pushes the muck into the Lake Worth Lagoon. 
next is more focused on water supply and storage. And there's a lot of projects there. But uh, one of the examples is uh, Green K expansion. And those of you that might be familiar with uh, the Green K project, the Palm Beach County Water Utilities has, uh, it's been very successful of treating, uh, highly treating some of the uh, um, uh, effluent from its uh, uh, sewage plant and expanding that project. Um, but also, uh, Susan, you talked about some of the uh, large expanses of land in North County that are in the L.A. Basin, like Corbett and Dupuy. And there's also an opportunity to do some more storage in that basin from acquiring lands like from some of the uh, private landowners there like GL Homes or from the, even some of the uh, buying some uh, storage in the rock pits along the C-51 canal to store more water before it gets into the C-51 and winds up in the uh, Lake Worth Lagoon. And to take some of the water from the rock pits, store it, and it can even be cleansed and then redirected to the Loxhatchee River. And then there's other uh, uh, projects that Karen touched on, the septic to sewer conversions, and that involves a study that would determine which of the septic systems are the most harmful along the Lake Worth Lagoon and targeting those for conversion. And the bond dollars would be matched with dollars that are coming from the state so that they can be maximized. Um, and also, some of the projects that the county has been doing for years is stormwater retrofits. A lot of the areas along the lagoon were developed before there were any stormwater treatment requirements. And going back in and rebuilding some of those areas, say, along some of the streets that were built before there were any stormwater treatment requirements for those streets and uh, going in and adding stormwater treatments to some of those streets. And then lastly, Susan, as you're well aware and you've always been an advocate, there is uh, adding public access to uh, many of the projects where it's feasible. So whenever the county would acquire and restore lands, there would always be public access added to those uh, restored properties. So that is a component of the bond as well. So that's just a, a quick uh, overview of some of the projects that are contained in the bond. And to the, to the listeners, um, the stormwater issue, people are, you know, say, what does that mean? And it mean, what it means is when we get those heavy rains, and we do, Everything flows, and we that's our drainage system, and it goes somewhere, and it ultimately ends up in the lagoon or from just whether it's the oil from the streets on the cars, whether it's your fertilizer, whatever it is, and that's what you, you can actually see it. I had talked to somebody the other day who went to Dubois Park, and all of a sudden, there was a flush of water came through, and it was brown. And, you know, and that was all the discharge from the heavy rains that are affecting it. So that's why we wanted to re- direct the system so that water could actually be stored somewhere and then cleaned and then utilized in a, in a better benefit. So that is a, it, it's a challenging project, but it's very doable. And I think we would have seen a lot of benefit from it. And I think we will. Rob or, or Karen, could you, could you just kind of 
clarify when you say septic to sewer conversions, how would that affect us out here in Jupiter Farms? Because, you know, we're on wells, we're on septic, and every once in a while we get, you know, some kind of smoke signal coming up saying, hey, are, they, are you guys interested in converting to, uh, to sewer? Um, and I know that our numbers, our outfall numbers going into, you know, say the C18 are actually much better than some of the numbers that are coming out of town that have already been converted to septic. So how does that affect us, in your opinion? It would not affect Jupiter Farms, in my opinion, and Rob, you can also weigh in. Again, the idea behind the septic to sewer is coastal along the lagoon, and it's both the stormwater discharge and the septic discharge that are affecting the water quality in the Lake Worth Lagoon. Jupiter Farms does not. You're too far away. Your drainage goes elsewhere, and so um, you, would, you wouldn't be impacted by that Hotspots that we have seen are along the lagoon itself and maybe along some of the uh, C-51 areas discharge immediately to the lagoon. No. The C-51 areas are the small cities that are right there on that canal, that drainage canal. And some of their residential, one of these, well, there's a city there that is all septic and they really right. need to be off of it. So it is things like that. It is not the western areas. Because out, out here in Jupiter Farms, we have, you know, a little bit more than 5,000 residences and a lot of a lot of land, whereas I know along some of the areas that you're talking about, there's some HOAs where you have 5,000 residences within a couple of miles um, of a development. Again, it's hard to believe, but there are whole cities that are small cities. There's like 150 people in there, and they're on septic, and they're right up against the lagoon. Um, it's mm. mostly older neighborhoods who, like Rob said, didn't have the benefit of having uh, septic systems or se uh, sewer systems and, and, and stormwater. So those will have the best effect on the lagoon. Where does the bond initiative stand right now? I know that there was, there was one general obligation bond that concluded, I think, in last, last month in June. And um, we were hoping to, to have this $150 million referendum, right? Um, but we kind of got sidelined this year. The commission uh, decided to step back. They were moving it forward and they decided to step it back because of all the uncertainties with the COVID, with the virus, uh, not knowing um, how people were gonna feel or if they were even gonna care and what it was gonna look like in November. So I think that it's been put off probably for another two years assuming things write themselves, which I, I believe they will, because this water issue isn't going away. Whether there's a virus or whatever else is going on, this is, it's real. And uh, the sooner we start addressing it, you want to do it on the front side, you don't want to do it on the back side, where you're now spending even more money trying to repair. Right, so um, right. I think if we stay ahead of it and try to get some of these projects implemented down the road, I think it'll help us still stay ahead of the game. Oh, that would be wonderful. It's funny, Rob, because you said, here's a brief overview of this multi-component juggling act that this bond would encompass. It, you stopped me right at the beginning when you said Lake Okeechobee mud islands. I, I can't even imagine the bureaucratic tangled web that that would involve. Actually, it is something that the county has already initiated discussions with the Army Corps of Engineers and the Water Management District. 
it's not too hard to do, really. Um, and actually, there's a need for dredging of the waterways across Lake Okeechobee. It's something that the Army Corps of Engineers struggles with all the time, keeping those waterways dredged. Plus, it is easy to show the success of that project style in Lake Worth Lagoon. So uh, even folks uh, who manage the Lake Okeechobee, it's uh, easy to show them what we've done, what the county has done in Lake Worth Lagoon and see that they withstood hurricanes, they haven't moved around, and they're stable. And that's the biggest concern in, in Lake Okeechobee. Would these islands be stable or would they just move them back around? Yeah, I think it is doable. And I think the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, they've already been engaged. And so they're already reviewing project designs. Potentially, are you suggesting that making Muck Islands might be something along the lines of making a peanut island type thing in Lake Okeechobee? Um, probably not <laughs> near to the extent of peanut island that would be a recreation island. Uh, more like something that would be um, uh, like some of the... Um, uh, John's Island, other islands in Lake Worth Lagoon that are more just at the level of the water surface that would grow uh, grasses for habitat, more for fisheries. More like Fullerton, the little spoil island. Yeah, Fullerton Island. Yeah. Where they do the kayaking up to and that sort of thing. Correct. Correct. Yes. I have a question first, in case folks don't know, where is Green K? Because we're up here in North County, a lot of people don't even get past North Lake Boulevard. It's it's Delray Beach, Boynton Delray uh, uh, area, and it's a water utilities project, and it's highly successful. A lot of uh, uh, folks go up there and walk along the boardwalks, and uh, what they did was they created a whole wetland system up there, uh, and they were going to add to it. Really popular with birders um, mm -hmm. because the boardwalk goes through the wetland habitat. The birds love uh, the habitat they created and they nest within just a few yards of the boardwalk. So when there's uh, eggs and uh, hatchlings in the nest, you see birders with a great telephoto lens all along that boardwalk. Karen, one of the things that I find incredibly refreshing is you really speak on a county-wide level, which I don't, I don't see a lot of that happening since I moved to this county. It seems that a lot of people seem very focused in and centric on one area, and it's kind of like to hell with the rest, which is, you know, when Susan asked, where's, where's Green K? It's like, yeah, I don't know, um, because I, I'm focused on my area. And for the most part, people who live where they live focus on where they live, and they don't think about how our runoff might affect another place in the county or how we're being affected by other places in the county. And it seems that along, you know, you, Rob, everybody with sustainable Palm Beach, maybe it's not a global look, but for a, a from a, a hyper local sensibility, where I, what I have in Jupiter Farms, both of you have a really great mind's eye on what's going on and how everything interconnects and how everything interaffects. Well, and you have to; it's not an isolated system, and we all know that. 
I had the benefit of, of being elected countywide for a while, and I got to know the entire county. And uh, we are we are very interconnected. You know, it doesn't one doesn't function you know without the other. So, and we all have different strengths. We all look used to look the same. Um, we don't anymore because uh, West Boca and the West Lake Worth area got out there and really got into some of the natural areas. Um, and we've, again, been managed to save a lot of ours up here. You know, Mother Nature knew what she was doing and how to create the system, and we just need to figure out how to work with her to uh, recreate and, and make it better. But it does, you have to do it in the in entire, uh, the big picture, or it doesn't work. Right, and it's a, it's a shame that we'll have to hope we'll we'll have to be waiting to try and get that referendum back on on the ballot because um, it, it, I know that it's important. And um, it's a lot of work, so it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, if the right. money becomes available, we don't borrow the money until after we have willing sellers, until we have the systems created. So it you don't just flip a switch and it happens. It'll take a couple of years to get some of those programs, the septic to sewer conversions. All of that. So it's a it's a long it's a it's a twenty year project at least and to physically get it done, which is why you know you, you are interested in getting it started as soon as you can. To have something like that that's long sighted is wonderful because you see a lot of patchwork projects that are temporary band aids that last a couple of years, and we'll worry about it in a couple of years when there's new people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it goes back to. 99, we're all looking at all of the studies that needed to be done, but no one was doing them. Everyone just kept saying we needed to have studies. So at least from that point to now, we're, we've done studies, and we've actually done a great deal of work in, in preserving our natural systems in, the, in Palm Beach County, really the Palm Beach County, Martin County area, because of the agencies, because of Palm Beach County, South Florida Water Management District, um, really stepping up and engaging in doing things before the final approvals. So we have a ton of projects in our area that have been started that are part of the Federal Comprehensive Everglades Restoration Plan or might be if that ever gets approved. But the local agencies are really doing the work already. Are there projects in here that local, that the county or the water management district or the drainage districts are already starting to work on? Well, and Susan, that's a very good point because that's why they were doing the bond issue. We were doing the bond issue, uh, relying on the federal government who's been trying to do Locks River restoration for 20 more years is just, it's just not happening. And being a realist, we have to be, if we want to see these things done, we're going to have to do it locally. And that was really the goal, the septic to sewer conversion. There's, you know, the state of Florida is starting to realize that they need to do it. And they were matching grants and things like that, but certainly not enough to tackle it. So, and if you have matching grants from a local government, you certainly get moved up on the list a lot higher. So that was the emphasis on this bond issue was we're going to have to do this ourselves. Otherwise, waiting for the, for the feds or anybody else to do it. The Mecca Farms restoration, this bond issue was going to fund it at a much more reasonable price than what the Army Corps was going to try to do, but it was a partnership with the landowner, which was Water Management District. Now there is no money to do it. Um, I, I think that Sustainable is going to be meeting with the Water Management District and seeing how we can maybe keep it alive. So if the bond issue does come back and it is successful, we can get started immediately. 
but yeah, that, that was the funding source. So unless Rob, you are aware of any other projects that are happening out there, the water management district's probably the only one that has any funds to do remotely any of these projects. Yeah, there's still a little bit of uh, acquisition monies uh, coming out of the state, but not for water projects like the bond was going to do, other than the septic to sewer conversions um, and some of the stormwater retrofits. There's a little bit of money flowing for those. A very little for, bit. Yeah, but not, not for big picture projects like uh, Mecca restoration. One other thing that I don't think we've touched on yet is what else is built into this bond project, which is trying to get ready for sea level rise. And I think, aren't there some resiliency issues taken care of in the, in the water bond? Yes. Uh, and one of the key components for, for resiliency on sea level rise is storage, freshwater storage. Uh, and that's one of the primary things that we can do to help natural systems adapt to sea level rise. And it's certainly going to be one of the primary components for restoring the river. Um, that, that's a big concern for the river um, and helping the river adapt to sea level rise. Uh, the other consideration is going to be changes in rainfall patterns. So we know um, and, and this is going to be really difficult to predict, but we anticipate there's going to be some changes in rainfall pattern uh, along the way as well. Um, and scientists tell us that um, there's probably going to be the wet season rains will become more severe um, and likely the dry season droughts will become more severe. And that just tells us we need to place even more emphasis on freshwater storage. The visual is people assume that it's the ocean that where the biggest impacts are going to be for sea level rise. But if you look at the inlets for Palm Beach County, Jupiter Inlet, the Lake Worth and the Boynton and Boca Inlet, that's where the surge of water is going to come in. And that's where the, you're going to see the sea level rises on the intercoastal and on the lagoon waterways. And so I think that's what we also have to be pre prepared for, too. Well, and how that sea level rise, especially in the inlet area, affects our underground water, right? Because yep, we're all dependent well on fresh water. Well fields that are all located right there on the coast, uh, Lake Worth in particular, I think, but others that have them right there, um, you'll get the saltwater intrusion. So the more fresh water that we can store so that we can push back the saltwater in some of these systems the more fresh water that we'll have, not just for the natural systems, but also for our residents to be able to drink. Yeah, and recharging our underground flows will help a great deal, and you do that through water storage. Sounds like this is going to become its own podcast series, Conversations with Karen. Um, <laughs> Karen, I, I have to tell you that you are the only uh, guest other than, um, than Susan, although Susan's really on our advisory board, other, the only guest that we've had on twice, and, and I think it, it lends itself to the conversation that we were having about um, institutional knowledge and institutional history. You, you're able to, at, at your fingertips, have information that nobody else has from 20 years ago. And I think that that's so important as we try to move forward in these, in these brave new times um, to have somebody there that 
remembers why we did A, and it was because of B, C, and D. And don't you all forget that, you know, we had F, G, and H as well. And, and I think that that's where, um, where we are so fortunate to, to have you as a guest, to have this recorded as an institutional history so people can get some idea of what went on, how we're here, and what we should be doing moving forward. Um, and, you know, if that happens to be a plug for sustainable Palm Beach, so be it. You guys are not for profit, so plug away. And and Rob, you know, with all the time that you've put in at uh, South Florida and and at Erm, our many many thanks. And I have a feeling you're probably going to be a resource that we're going to be coming back to as well. So thank you both. And and let me just say, and I think Rob will agree, we can't do this without the public. We can't do it without groups like yourself who are interested and who are willing to work to make it happen. So thank you also for being interested and for caring. And together, you know, we're going to solve all the problems. Yes, solve thank you. All the problems. <laughs> well, thanks. And once again, folks, thanks for listening to the JFR podcast. Be sure you hit that subscribe button so you'll be notified when a new episode releases. And please share it with your neighbors and your friends. Our thanks to Someone Talk Media and to David Guggenheim for his direction and engineering. And most of all, thanks to you, our audience, for streaming and listening to the JFR podcast. So take care. We'll be speaking at you again before long from the farm. So say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. I just want to caution people that during the recording not to mute themselves because that alters how the recording happens. Yeah. I, I may have a grandkid run through here may screaming, so hopefully we can delete that too. Unless it adds to the, uh, to the work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unless it, it adds to the flavor of, of what we're talking about. Because um, okay. if you were watching the last Board of County Commissioners meeting on the yes. masks, I would, have, I would have gone kicking and screaming out of that room. <laughs> I got several texts saying, are you sure you want to do this? Oh. That was my thought. It, it was on the Stephen Colbert show last night. I was locking up the house and I hear the lady with the no, ma no mask and no underwear. Yeah. <laughs> and I, in Palm Beach County, I was like, oh my gosh. And I just, I'm, I'm, at the end, I don't wear a mask for the same reason I don't un wear underwear. Things gotta breathe. <laughs> Thank you for your comments. This has been a production of someone talked media.com.